0: Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning Vayera Shemi, the second Aliyah in Parshas Vayera. Our Aliyah is 19 Sokim Long, running from Perik Yud Ches, Pasuk Tesvov to Laman Gimel. The general topic of our Aliyah is, is injustice and Saddam. We're going to take a look at the basic summary of this Aliyah, and then we're going to look at some points to ponder. First we hear is that Sarah denies and saying that I did not laugh when she is accused of it, and Hashem says, No, you did actually laugh you did in fact do so at this point in time we know that the anashim these angels now leave and they go out to saddam avram is there standing uh, um, over them as they are leaving and hashem has this soliloquy hashem speaks to himself and says am i going to cover from avram what i'm about to do avram's going to be this great nation he's going to teach his children he's going to bless the world and he's going to teach his children all the values tzedakah, mishpat, um, to continue to bring my values into the world, and so Hashem says, "Look, the 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 call of Sodom is, is, is terrible. All the injustice is happening at Katsaka. they're doing all these terrible, terrible practices in Sodom. I need to I I need to go down and see what's going on. At this point in time, the people are leaving Avram, and they are going down to Sodom." So Avram at this point in time now comes to Hashem and says, Haafti spam, Sadiqim Rasha, are you going to kill the righteous with the evil? If maybe there's fifty Tzadikim in these cities, are you gonna are you not going to to save the cities because of the fifty? So Hashem says, Khalil al Khmea says Kadavarazah. And you, Avram continues to say, will you do such a terrible thing to kill a rasha at tzaddik? And Hashem says, no, if there are 50, in fact, I will not. I will hold the places for them. Um, Avram Avinu says, okay, well, perhaps I can offer, I, I'm, I'm dust and ashes. What can I say? But perhaps, maybe maybe if there's not uh, 50, but there's 45, will that, will that be enough perhaps to save it? And, and Avram keeps negotiating down to 40. And then he he makes another representation, maybe thirty, He goes out to twenty and ten, and at this point in time Hashem says this there just aren't the ten. And um, and the the argument is done. Um, and Hashem Hashem goes on, Avram returns to his place. And this is the end of this very strange dialogue between a human being and Hashem questioning Hashem's judgment. So there are a lot of things to, to think about in this Aliyah. First, there's just an interesting halacha. The Gemara and Yuma on Daf Lamed Ches tells us that there's a halacha, what's called Zeicher, Tzadik Livrocha, that when you mention a righteous person, you ne- need to mention good attributes and that's what we learned from this aliyah because Hashem mentions Avraham and then he says I know that Avraham Avinu will be this great nation and he'll teach his children all my values so that we see that's the practice that one should have if Hashem does that that's how we should replicate it the main question that exists in our aliyah is the following and that is, is that Hashem has this soliloquy he speaks to himself about what he's about to do and that he's not going to hide it from Avraham and while he's saying that obviously Avraham is listening in and Avraham then takes a step forward to have this dialogue to try to prevent the destruction of Saddam. That seems clear, because at the beginning, Hashem was not speaking to Avraham, but in the presence of Avraham. In fact, it's ever more evident, because the language which Avraham uses, the, the primary tools that he uses are the words tzedakah and mishpat, or Hashem uh, is, are you going to kill the tzedek, and mishpat, those are the question words that Avraham uses, and they are the words that Hashem gave him. Hashem gave him the license to use those words because he says that Avraham Avinu is going to teach his children last to do righteousness and justice. So Avram Avinu uses those tools that Hashem obviously has just told him he treasures and now asks Hashem, well you're not obeying by those standards it doesn't seem. So Hashem is allowing Avraham Avinu to have this dialogue and giving him the license to protest this judgment. But the truth is it seems very unfair because in the end of the day we know we absolutely know that Saddam is not worthy. They don't even have ten tzaddikim to, to warrant any type of salvation. And in fact, when later on in the next Aliyah we hear about the surrounding of Lot's house by the people of Sodom, we hear that, that uh, the Torah makes it very clear that it's minar Zalkane, it's from the youngest to the oldest. The whole place is rotten from core to the, to, to the outside. So if that's the case, then this is really unfair. Why is Hashem leading Avraham on to make this request, when ultimately we know it's going to be a failed request. That's the question which is worth answer, uh, asking. There are two different approaches that we're going to look at. One approach is that of Rav Pinkus. Rav Pinkus um, um, quotes the Dubna and Magid in and he says the following very beautiful idea. He says, imagine a person walks into a, to, to a store and is shopping and is trying to work out what to get. And so this lady, she's looking at this uh, at, at the blouse, the sweater, and she tries on, she tries three, and she's not sure that one maybe. And takes a while. Like an hour and a half later, she comes to the to to, to the to the cash register. and She's going to now buy this, um, this 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 top. Maybe she'll return it if it isn't good. In the meantime, while she's left the dressing room to come to the to the front, another woman walks in, um, goes straight straight to the racks, pulls off you know seven of these, five of those, and three of those, and puts them into the into the rack, and and, and, uh, and arrives five minutes later behind her in the line to to, um, to pay for the for, for the clothes. And she says, look, I've spent an hour and a half here. She turns to this lady and says, how could you buy things so fast? Don't you take the time? So the woman says, you know what? I've got a whole bunch of children. And they're all two years apart from each other. And it's all about a whole whole bunch of girls. And, you know, if it's not going to fit this one, it's going to fit that one. If it's not going to be ready for this one, it's going to be ready for that one. And if it's not ready for this one, now it'll be ready in six months' time because they're growing fast. So it's not for me. I'm not buying for myself. I'm buying for my children. There's a certain degree of flexibility, which I have because of that as well. Says the Dilbidah Maggi, that's what's going on over here. Hashem says, you know what? In the end of the day, Saddam is not going to make it. But Avram Avinu is going to plea and pray, and pray to do everything he possibly can. But even if the tefillah doesn't work now, even if the answer is no right now, it's not going to fit. You know what? Avram Avinu is going to have children. And that's what Hashem says. I know that he's going to have children and then he's going to raise these children in the way of Hashem. So let the tefillahs work for them. Let me give them the opportunity of davening. <coughs> and even if the davening does not necessarily operate right now, He'll never go wasted. No tefillah is ever empty. No tefillah ever goes unanswered. It's a story I, I, I heard from Mary Levine, a very beautiful story about a young man, an Israeli, who's walking the streets of Tel Aviv, He's got long hair, he's got his guitar in his back, he's walking through the streets, and he happens to chance upon an old stibble, and this old stibble used to be in a frum neighborhood, but now the neighborhood's changed, and they're looking for a minion for mincha. And the fellow says, please, 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 come inside. He doesn't want to. He's not interested. He's got places to go. He's not interested in religion. He's anti-religion. And the man begs him and begs him and he, feel, he finally figures out that it's probably going to cost him less time just to go in and be, then be heckled by this fellow. So he goes in and he sits in the back and he knows I'll read Hebrew, of course, and he starts looking around, there's all these books in Hebrew, and he pulls one off the shelf and he starts reading. And interesting. Anyway, at the same, same time the next week, he happens to be passing by, the same story. It's the Mincha time, the poor man uh, pulls him off the street. He goes in and he starts, he picks up in the same book wherever he was reading. Slowly but surely, he frequents this little shtibl more and more often, and he starts reading more and more, and he becomes very involved in his own process, his own slow and pro process of chaz, chazarabit B'tshuva. Few, uh, you know, a few years later, his father is at, at the bar with his friends, and they are commiserating. They're saying, "Nebach, Dudik, he was such a fine boy. You sent him to all the best, the best ed- ed- um, education. What happened to him, Nebach? He became all you know, from. So Dudik says, "Look, I, I don't know what happened. You know, we, we this was not the life that we brought him up for. But I will tell you the truth: is when my father came from the old country here to Israel, he was the one who founded that shtibbel. And you can imagine that grandfather probably prayed for his children and wished for his children perhaps would have something better, but they didn't, and his children were not from, and his children were not interested. But it, it comes around a full, gener- a full generation, and his grandson is the one who comes to find the stibble And if you think about it, how many tillers we say, we think to ourselves, oh, did they really work? The answer is, well, sometimes it takes time. That's what of Pincus is saying. If their children, if there's a way that the tillers are going to work in future generations, students, people we influence, they still work, even if they're not working now. That's one, one perspective. Another perspective is the following. This is based on a chapter in Lord Jonathan Sachs's book to heal a fractured world. And he points out. Um, in opposition to the way that Karl Marx looked at the world. Karl Marx looked at the world that religion was the opiate of the masses, the opium of the masses. It's something which gives catharsis. It, it allows us to sort of take a chill, not really call be concerned about the world around us. Rav, Rav, Rav Sachs, also this is a chapter in a letter in the scroll, disagrees with that. He quotes a Midrash which says that there was a fellow um, who was walking down the road and he sees a building, a palace that's in flames. And he, he wonders, is, is there anybody here? Is there an owner to this palace? And the owner then sticks out his head out of the window and says, I'm the owner. And that's, the midrash says, is how Abram Avinu discovered our Baruch Hu. Strange, what does that mean? Some people say, well, that's the, the argument by design. You see, it's a very fancy palace It must be owned by by somebody. But that doesn't explain why it's burning. And then, um, so what What Sachs argues is that what's happening is, is that Abram Avinu is asking the age-old question of where is evil come from? You see such a magnificent world and you see evil and there's so much burning going on and it's all, it's all being destroyed. Where does that come from? What, why is that? So the, that was the question that Avram Avinu was concerned about. And that's the answer. The answer is, is not that Hashem does anything. He just says, I'm here. Why is that the answer? Why doesn't Hashem do anything? The answer is because Hashem wants us to partner with Him. He wants us to do something about it. It may be true that in the celestial worlds it's true that Saddam deserves to be destroyed. But until there's a human being to ratify that, until there's a human being to say that it's not fair in this world, to protest against the way that things that look unjust in this world and it's not correct in this world as well. Avram needs to be given the opportunity to protest it. And only until Avram Avinu protested fully and try to understand it to the best of his, uh, his understanding, was it actually just in this world as well. That was the lesson Akash Baruch who was showing him. The building, there's a beautiful building, there's a Hashem, there's flames there seems to be evil in the world but are you going to do something about it and that is the question which is being asked of Avraham and that's why he's being allowed the opportunity to protest it. He's being asked the opportunity, do you see it as just? And only once he, in a human terms, understands that, in fact, it is just, is it going to be ratified within this world. A very different perspective of understanding how Kosh Baruch Hu wants to react to the phenomenon and the, the evil, the difficulties that we see around us. With this, we close the second aliyah. In the meantime, have a wonderful, meaningful day.